Blog Talk Radio. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to our late afternoon podcast segment here today. In today's segment, we'll be talking with Mr. Yigal Bihar. He is the CEO uh, and founder of Two Secure Corporation, one of the top cybersecurity firms in New York City. Uh, they're based in Brooklyn. Yigal, thanks for your time. Let's go ahead and get started, please. Yes, hi. Thank you for having me today. Thank you. Now, Yigal, uh, we do a bit of background snooping on you on LinkedIn and Google and on your website, obviously. But you seem to have a very deep and rich background in cybersecurity. I mean, you've been doing this for, I think, what, over 30 years now. Tell us some of the highlights of your career, please, and how you got started into cybersecurity. Well, um, I started with uh, cyber uh, about uh, fifteen about fifteen years ago, and before mm-hmm. then, uh, I had my own business uh, for IT support. And uh, at some point, I decided to to do an exit, and then I decided to go and. Um, uh, join a security company. It's called the uh, Avnet Deloitte, Deloitte and Tosh, um, in Israel. And then uh, I stayed there for like uh, four years, and then I moved to America. And since then, I'm here, and um, you know, I'm trying to bring whatever I learned with the enterprise security and bring those ideas and uh, security to to the. Um, uh, to small companies that they really don't have the uh, either the budget or the the knowledge or whatever. So this this is kind of uh, where we we can help uh, small customers. Okay. Well, tell us more about your company, Too Secure. Obviously, this is a company that you created and formed. But what was your motivating factor, and how long have you been in business? So I founded the company in two thousand and three. Uh, while I was still in Israel working in, in my other company, uh, as I worked there as, a, as an employee. And um, my motivation was uh, I felt that uh, with all the experience that I have, I have a combination of uh, you know, using IT to do productivity. And then on the outside, you want to have security. So when I, you want to do all the productivity with the security in mind. And typically what happens is uh, you you want to be really very secure, but then you reduce the productivity of the employees. And, and usually the security people say, oh, we need the strong securities. And then the IT people, the people that really need to make things work, they are not exactly happy about it. So you need to find the right balance. And this is, was my, my motivation because I could uh, understand the frustration and also the need for security. Okay. Now, how now how big is your business? I mean, employee size-wise, do you have a, a global presence in other countries as well, too, or are you just locally more locally based in New York City? Um, I'm locally based in New York City, and uh, I have a, also a presence in Israel since I'm coming from there. So I have also uh, a, like a representative and companies that I work with, and so they are. So I have still like a, those like presence that I have right now. Okay, excellent. Now, we are at your website right now, the Two Secure website. Um, it seems like you have a lot of uh, different products and offerings, you know, that go from, uh, hold on here, that go from malware attack simulation, web application security, internal external vulnerability assessments, pen testing, web application assessments. 
Can you kind of elaborate a little bit more on these services and how customers have used these services in the past and how they could be using it now too? Yeah, so so with um, you mentioned malware simulation. So with the malware simulation, um, we wanted uh, we wanted to bring the idea that um, you want to test how your defenses actually work and how your detection and response are actually coming into play. And the malware simulation takes the entire entire test and streamline it in a way that so you send you send phishing email for instance and that phishing email can have a link or can have an attachment and that can trigger like a ransomware activity so now you simulate a ransomware for instance and you want to see if the endpoint will detect it how the user if the user is going to click it so this way you get everything uh in one place uh, versus, you know, other services just test only, okay, I clicked the link, okay, now I know that I have a problem with, the, with that employee that clicked. But that test does not test everything. Uh, with the vulnerability assessment and penetration testing, this is also, there's some confusion about it. So vulnerability assessment, you want to see what are the vulnerabilities. You don't necessarily go and now take one vulnerability and now try to use to exploit that vulnerability. So this is the difference between vulnerability assessment and penetration testing. Vulnerability just lists all the vulnerabilities without even trying to test those or put them to a test. Penetration does the, the next level. So those services really give, the, give customers the ability to see where are the weak points and how to fix them because we provide a de detailed report that has exec executive summary. Typically, it's still like one, two uh, pages. And then we have a technical summary and technical report that gives all the technicality, what we tested, what, what, are the, what, what is the risk, and how they can mitigate that, uh, that uh, risk. And then we have all the, the web application. Normally, web, web application, you will find the most uh, vulnerable points in, in, in any organization. Uh, because again, the, you you had the um, uh, the application written in in a different assumption, and suddenly you can break that assumption because the hacker thinks differently about the um, about the application and how and how it can be used. Um, and then we have the last uh, last service is the um, the MDDR. The MDDR is Manage Defense Detection and Response, and that service was created because companies are missing, they have uh, empty spots, and you want to give them the ability not only to put their eggs on one thing, okay, now I have a big firewall, for instance, and thinking that you have security, or I have an um, antivirus solution, which exactly doesn't do anything because it's using a signature base in order to detect uh, a threat. Now, with the recent malware attacks and ransomware, those attacks are using different techniques like fileless attacks. They don't have any kind of file saved on the computer. Therefore, you don't have a signature. Therefore, you cannot treat it uh, and detect it and, and remediate it. And this is where our service is coming. And we're using all those technologies, all those um, um, agents that we install on each computer server and 
taking information from a network and then making sure that we have a sense of it and get the analytics and have some a little bit some some machine learning and AI in order to make sense of all the data. So this is just a, a, an overview. And of course, we have consulting services. You know, anything that doesn't fall within those um, needs of a customer, we we have the consulting which takes everything else. Okay, excellent. Now, um, what kind of customers do you try to target? Are they the SMBs, small and medium-sized businesses, or do you try to reach out to the Fortune 500, or perhaps a combination of both? Well, it's a, it's a combination, and I think it's more about the, the customer. So if the customer, we feel that we can help that customer, uh, regardless of the size, we, we would like to help customers that uh, acknowledge their need for help and where we can bring more value to them. And those customers, we, we pursue the, those customers. Okay. Now, does 2Secure do any work with compliance issues like the GDPR and CCPA? Do you help customers come to compliance with those statutes also? Yes. We also have with the New York State Depart Department of Financial Services where uh, insurance brokers need uh, a lot of help with that. And yes, of course, with the GDPR, we see a need for it. And of course, the SAC 2 certification, all those, uh, we do help with, the, with, the, um, with compliance as well. Okay, okay. Now, which services do your customers seem to pick the most out of all the ones you've gone through? Is there a certain sweet spot that you focus on, or it's just kind of whatever your customers need at the time? Well, we... So the, the services that you see on the website, those are the services that really customers are looking to have. And, of course, we tailor. So, for instance, the malware um, simulation, we created this service because we felt that this is something that can bring a huge value to a customer. And so, therefore, we develop uh, similar services uh, where we see that there is a lack or something is missing, and this is where we come in and try to fill the gap. Okay. Now, um, tell us about some uh, your, of your customer success stories. Tell us when it's time that you've actually helped, helped a customer, and do you have any client testimonials that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, sure. So we had a, a customer that's using our MDDR service, and we detected the, uh, actually two events. Uh, one of them, they, they had an employee going with a laptop to some hospital here and suddenly we see uh, an alert coming saying that this laptop is now being uh, port scanned and somebody is trying to access the computer using the port RDP to actually have a remote access. Um, so we alerted the customer, of course it was blocked, and we alerted the customer and say, this is what happened, uh, please ask uh, the user and, and get, get, some, get some feedback from, from that user. And apparently that user was using the Wi-Fi at that hospital and he instructed her to shut the computer. Another event was uh, with the same customer where we detected uh, unauthorized access from um, an IoT device. It was a, a media device that was trying to access a, a, a security uh, PC uh, using the guest and administrator account. And, of course, those were, were uh, blocked. And we notified the customer, and 
the um, media center IoT device offline, so it's not going to create a more more problem. Uh, this is one one of the stories, two stories. Are you hello? hello? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Can you give any other first success stories like you share with us? Um, let me think. Uh, Mm. Yeah, we did a penetration testing to healthcare company, okay. and they so they, this customer was using uh, the same application across few companies. So they have few companies mm-hmm. that are using the same application, and that application was uh, uh, was written by 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 a programmer and. So that should change only the colors and the setup. But then basically the, the application was exactly the same. And we were able to bypass the authentication and become as the admin to the point where we can see all the social security numbers and everything. So we gave the snapshot the, this, um, to, to, to the customer that really were able to, to extract that information. And at the end of the day, we changed the email account for the admin. So now the IT company was managing this um, application and actually penetrate the application again to change the, the email address to, to their email address so they can manage the application again to take control over the application. Okay, excellent. Now, I, I mean, web any, application, if it was. I meant when I said application, I meant web up a web application. Okay, gotcha. Now, do you have any plans expanding to secure? Are you just are you going to try to increase uh, your geographic presence out of New York City, or uh, do you plan to expand to other countries? Uh, yes, uh, I think uh, we would like to expand our presence in the U.S. Uh, I don't know about other countries. Uh, this is uh, always uh, something that uh, uh, in mind. But as of now, we want to increase our presence in the U.S. at this time. Do you have any geographic uh, targets in mind, or just kind of when it, wherever and whenever it comes? Or uh, no, these days really geographic is not is not uh, a limitation anymore. Uh, right. We have. Uh, 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 leads and, and uh, prospects that are coming that they have uh, multiple locations in in different countries. So I don't know, it can be Canada, Brazil, and the U.S. And so there's no, and these days you can you know monitor all those locations with no issues. So there's no really geographic uh, limitation here. So you can sit somewhere and you know do that regardless. Right. True. Well, that brings up that brings us up to our next topic, COVID nineteen. Uh, obviously, nobody expected that it would spread so quickly worldwide. I mean, I remember reading about it back in December, and I thought it would just stay contained to China, but you know, now it's all over the world. And here in the United States, we're now the epicenter in the world for coronavirus. Um, right. What challenges do you see, and what are the potential threats involved? I mean, there. I mean, like the work from home solution. I mean. Every thought the remote workforce would take three or four years, but now we've seen that in about two or three months. What challenges do you see? What are the threats and what are the solutions that you have faced yourself your, for your business and for your clients? 
Right. So what we do on a, on a, uh, if a customer comes and comes and work with us on a re- regular basis, either through the consulting, this has to go through the consulting uh, piece of the business. We, we install the firewalls, we do the configuration, and we make sure that the customer can use the VPN or SSL VPN or any kind of a VPN uh, so they have a remote access to capability. So it doesn't matter if it's a COVID-19 or you have a chemical attack or you have an earthquake, you'll be, still be able to access the uh, resources on the um, network and continue, uh, continue functioning. So in COVID-19, it's not, it was not an issue for my customers, for our customers. It wasn't an issue because they already were set up like this. Um, but what we see with, with other um, prospects and, and, and customers that they, they have a privacy issue, for instance. So now, or you have a security. And, and again, now because you are remoting from home, so those computers are typically are not secured. They, at the, 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 the best, they have, they can, they can, uh, they can um, a remote um, from, from the home computer, but then they don't, those computers are not fully patched. They don't have uh, endpoint protection updated or maybe it's, it's out of date for, for any kind of reason. And then maybe that computer has been used by, by the kids and they're using P2P sharing or they're using any kind of uh, maybe tour network. So, and, and maybe the, the wife and the husband, each one of them now needs to connect to their um, employer. And now you have now split tunnel. So let's say now one of them connected, he's connected to his office and she's connected to her office. Now you have a split tunnel. And now you can leak information between the two networks. How can you detect such a thing? It's a problem. So I've seen um, um, customers come with uh, one solution that we thought about it um, to install, to provide the firewall and a PC to, uh, the, um, to, to the employee. So now there's no, no problem here. You have a VPN side to side and that's it. You, you, you resolve the problem and still there are the issues because we talked to one prospect. They said, well, this is what we did, but still we have a problem because we don't have enough protection. We don't have enough visibility on that endpoint. So this is kind of the first that we see. It's a, it's a, it's, uh, increasing the, 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 um, the risk landscape, the threat landscape, uh, to another level that we have not seen before. And it, it's, a, it's a big problem. Now, let's say now you want to use privacy issues, for instance. Now you cannot monitor the, the computer because privacy laws doesn't give you the ability to do so. And so now you're stuck. We spoke with a, with a, uh, a prospect here in New York City and said, well, we were supposed to use this Cisco solution but now we can't, we can't because privacy issues. So you really, the companies are really got stuck and I said, okay, now really you need to find the other compensating controls in order to help with this COVID-19 situation. Okay, excellent. Now, um, do, you, do you offer a remote uh, workforce solution or work-from-home security package? I've seen other cybersecurity companies that do that. Do you offer any dedicated services like that for your clients? 
Yes, we have. Uh, we are now uh, about to launch a service uh, that will help uh, our customers to identify uh, those weak spots and uh, automate it to some extent and allow them uh, to improve the, the security and visibility on the home uh, workforce. Okay. Now, Egal, um, there are a lot of, you know, there are probably what, over 2,000, 3,000 um, cybersecurity vendors here in the U.S., and I'm sure New York City probably has a bunch of, you have probably a bunch of competition in New York City being such a dense population in a in a city like that. Um, well, how do you differentiate yourself from the competition? So why should a customer, why, or why should I come to you and say, hey, Egal, I need these services. Why should I come to you first versus, like, maybe another a company that offers the same kind of services. Yeah, so with that, this is a funny question because uh, I find it to be it's it's really uh, interesting. So what I tell customers, I tell them we're going to do cybersecurity where it's army style. This is this is my oh, okay. my. Uh, my answer, and I'm going to say what is Army style, since I'm coming from Israel and I served in the Army, military, and that we have this kind of approach to security, and this is how I take the security and, and apply it the way I landed uh, in the field, bring it over to our customers. Okay, excellent. Well, now, um, do you... Do you depend upon a, a value-added reseller approach model for your business, like where you have other partners, or you're just more of customers can just come to you directly for your services? Uh, so it depends with the with the customers. In in some cases, we resell the uh, um, the software licenses or the hardware if if uh, hardware needed. Typically, uh, we take the um, Vendors' uh, solutions can be any kind of uh, software or hardware, and we package it and deliver it to to the customer. Okay. Now, I was wondering, Miguel, does the federal government, especially the governor of New York, I know that they have implemented the data privacy laws. Do they make use of your services too? Are they a customer of yours too? Uh, I don't know if I can answer that question. <laughs> Uh, I, I can say that they have a, a um, we showcase them our services and they are very interested in our services. Uh, that, that, that's what I can say. Okay. okay, fair enough. No worries. Fair enough. Yes. Okay, let's um, let's segue over more into the cybersecurity threat landscape. Um, first one I want to talk to you about is the C-suite. You know, the CIO and the CISO. Whenever there is a cyber attack, um, you know, it's the C-level, you know, the CISO or the CIO whose head normally rolls. Because everybody should, everybody wants to point and blame fingers at somebody, and they usually get fired or they quit. Now, I'm of the type, you know, you, first, you, you should first do a holistic forensics investigation, see what happened, then blame who's at fault. Now, obviously, the CIO, CISO, the buck stops with them. But what are your thoughts on that? Should the CISO or the CIO should be immediately fired after a cyber attack of the company or or just or do a, an investigation first and then see where the fault lies? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's more about uh, it's more about uh, the facts. It's more about politics. 
say this is how I see those things. Uh, not to say that those sea level are uh, not responsible. Definitely they're responsible, and they need to take responsibility. Uh, if we look, for instance, about uh, the case with the uh, um, with all the companies that we've seen so far, they've been uh, attacked and breached left and right. Of course, you need to do the forensic, and you need to get to understand how that threat was was able to get in, and what you need to do in order to improve the uh, the security. Uh, and still, those sea level needs to take responsibility. Look at the Equifax, for instance. So, in the mm-hmm. beginning, the CISO and the CIO had to to step down, and then the CEO had to step down later later on in the game, and then they were breached again a few months ago again. So this is something that if they don't take an action and they don't prioritize and budget properly the security in IT, it's going to be a problem because you need to have budget in order to operate the the, the business. And after all, how are you going to process information and how are you going to serve customers with the digital transformation? You need to have IT. It doesn't matter where where is IT. When I say IT, it can be the cloud, it can be um, on prem, or it can be a combination like a hybrid model. So, in any case, you need to provide services and you need to budget it properly and, and have security, even if you go to the cloud or you stay on prem. Okay. Now, another issue in um, another hot topic in Cyber Eagle is the IoT Internet of Things. I personally find it to be a very scary proposition more from the standpoint of all this interconnectedness. Uh, it simply only opens the attack surface on a greater level, on a greater plane for the cyber attacker. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you have a smart home or a smart car? Well, I made the choice not to get those and not to smart everything because in the end of the day, as, as you just mentioned, you increase your, your your landscape much more again. It's much greater. But in the end of the day, we can we won't be able to avoid it completely. Still, sometimes I prefer to have a car that doesn't that doesn't have anything. It just runs. You know how it ran twenty, thirty years ago. This is probably the the best way. But again, it's it's me. But other people would love to have everything, you know, all the the IoT stuff. I mean, it's it's exciting, it's interesting. It definitely br- brings some value, but then it brings a lot of privacy issue as well because now you collect data and how do you do you decimate the information? I don't know. I don't have control about the information. For instance, when I go to the doctor office and they ask for social security number, I say I want to give you a social security number. You don't need it. Why to give information that it's not needed to get to get the services? So this is like an example. And with IoT, they are they were made to begin with with all those flaws to begin with. So they after the fact, oh, now I remember. Now we need to to have security, and this is happened with the PC industry for many times for for long years. Nobody, nobody thought about security when they established the, the TCP/IP protocol. They didn't think about security. They didn't think about hackers and now they're going to use the protocol in order to obtain information about the target. It wasn't in mind. So again, with the IoT, it's the same thing. And also they call it IoT, but IoT, anything, any device is IoT. So 
<laughs> like this differentiation is not exactly i would say it's a because now they 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 uh, everything is blurred right there's no borderline that says okay this is iot but this is a pc pc can be an, an iot a phone is an iot because it has an ip has a software has hardware so it's a, an iot device essentially so this is my my thoughts about it and we need we need of course we need to implement security measures in anything from encryption um encrypt the data in transit and at, at rest we need to make sure that the applications are secured to the best we can and all of those and of course have a backup and hope will happen and have a money monitor and detect uh a possible of events Okay. Now, another uh, topic I want to kind of address with you are the set of artificial intelligence. Um, now, that's another big buzzword that's being bandied about here in cybersecurity. I think it's being used, um, there are tools being used in penetration testing, you know, to automate the routine mundane processes. It's, AI is being used to filter out for false positives, so forth. What are your thoughts on AI, and does Too Secure make use of any AI in their product and service offerings? Okay. So um, I'm, I'm, every time that I hear uh, ML, machine learning, AI, artificial intelligence, when it relates to security or, or, or any field, I'm a little bit cautious about it because we, 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 we don't have really, it's not mature enough to come and say that this is, that's it. We got to the point where we can say, okay, I'm satisfied because it's not there. It's still algorithm. It's still uh, you need to teach it. So you have you have um, uh, w- with that space you need to teach the algorithm about a series of of, uh, of information data in order that it will learn something and then will make the decision later on. So there is a way to go. And when customer comes and tell me, oh, you know, we need the endpoint detection that has a machine learning or AI, and say, well, you know, it's not exactly the way it's been said, but we have something. We have machine learning capabilities uh, in our services, but again, it's, uh, you know, it's limited to what it is. So I'm really cautious, and when I mention right. to customers, I tell them that in with, so they, you know, to reduce the, the expectation levels. Okay, excellent. Now, another uh, question I want to ask you, are the nation-state threat actors, you know, I'm not going to name any countries and I'm not going to get political, but, you know, there's no <laughs> fear of you know, another meddling here in, the, in this next presidential election cycle. Well, you know, every time you go to the news headlines, China's done something or something. What are your thoughts on all that? Well, um, what we can, you, these days you cannot uh, say I, I cannot be political. To some extent, you, you need to take a stand. So, of course, it's like uh, they are trying to change things. They are trying to steal information. They are, they are trying to influence uh, the, the politics, the, the U.S. politics, or even America is trying to influence other politics in, in uh, or countries in, in different many ways. So uh, you cannot avoid it. You can limit it. You need to find ways how to reduce the exposure and hence reduce the risk. There's no, like, a bulletproof answer. And it's there. 
we need to handle it. That's all. This is a part of our daily job in order to make sure that the customer won't be infected by either uh, China or uh, North Korea, for instance. Okay. Well, okay. Now, in your in your the services that you offer, um, have customers have they asked you about cybersecurity risk insurance policies? And what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, in, it's part of our assessment that they need to have insurance policy. I think it's required because the insurance policy comes in and mitigates the, the, the residual risk that is left over from all the activities that you have done. You know, you have policies and procedures. You have all this patch management and everything. And then something is still left. There's still risk out there, and the insurance helps you to handle that that piece. So you need insurance, yes. Do you, do you help customers get that insurance, or do you do you work with an insurance company here? And not not necessarily. We we tried in the past to come and set up a partnership with the insurance uh, and. Uh, help, but it, it it didn't it didn't go for some reason. I don't okay. Know. Okay. Now, does True Secure do any work with the certified or the cybersecurity security? This the CMMC. I'm trying to get it, cybersecurity maturity model certification. I know that the Department of Defense is now mandating subcontractors to you know be certified before they're awarded or bid any contracts. Do you help um, companies come into compliance with this? With your do you help um, these third parties, these defense suppliers, become CMMC certified? I, I didn't get certified with what? The CMMC, the, the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification. Uh, that's basically where the Department of Defense is mandating that, um, you know, individual like defense contractors, they have to be certified to a certain degree before they're allowed to bid on any projects or be awarded any projects. They have to show some certain level that they're, and they have, in other words, that they have a good level of cyber hygiene. Now, do you help um, companies become CMMC certified or do you do any work in that area? No, we don't. Okay, now let's um, let's uh, talk about something else here. Now, I understand, and before you, we um, the, the podcast started, you told me you published a book on cybersecurity. I think book writing is exciting. It's a very daunting task, obviously, but tell me more about your book. Yeah, so the the book was uh, created in mind for those uh, small business owners and managers that they don't understand cyber. They don't understand, they don't understand IT to begin with. So uh, talking about cyber, this, this is something, this is really, or talk about cloud applications, what does it mean and why should I have security? And this is kind of question and, and, and um, experiences that we had in the past with, the, with the, for instance, with the, this I tell it, uh, the story in the book about a, um, a healthcare a customer that was breached and they were able to steal um, money from them. And, you know, you see the reaction about this and, not, okay, you need to do something about it. And, yes, you need, you need to invest money. And I got frustrated and, and I wanted to tell the story in, in, in my book as well. So it, it, was, it was very 
method in trying to educate those people and give them the, the basic information so when they come to those kind of conversations, they will be able to understand the lingo, for instance, or understand what, 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 what they need or what they need to ask in order to get us in their own business, in their own departments. And that's why it was written, this, this book. Okay, excellent. Um, do you plan to write other books in, in the pipeline? Do you have other books you're going to be writing on? Or? Yes. So the, the book that you mentioned, um, the uh, Cyber War, uh, was, uh, was uh, published in 2017, uh, self-published. Um, you can download also the, the PDF version if you go to our website, um, 260.biz, and you can put your information. You will get the um, um, the free download, or you can go to Amazon Book and uh, Amazon and you know search my name, and you will get the, the book over there. Um, and yes, I do plan to write another book uh, that will actually include also the COVID-19. Um, a pandemic uh, a understanding and what people should do uh, when it when it comes to remote uh, uh, remote work uh, force. So yes, I'm I'm planning to issue it, and I expect it's going to be ready. I believe, like in two or three months, um, it, it's a little bit difficult to find time and 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 finish the the book. So yes, the, it's in the plan. Yeah, I've written some books myself too, and believe me, it's done. It's a very, it's a very time-consuming, laborious process. So, anyway, now another question I want to ask you is: If the FBI tells us it takes us an average of 14 months to find an attack, what? Why does it take so long, and what can companies do to reduce that? So th- this comes uh, from uh, the place where uh, companies put emphasis too much about the, the firewalls and the AV solutions, so they keep replacing, and they say, okay, now we're going to put the next gen, generation firewall and all of those things. But really, they, it doesn't help them because those kind of attacks can sneak through those firewalls, through those defenses, and and do whatever they want to do. And, and this is because you don't have good detection. And the emphasis is, is on detection. Of course, an antivirus solution is a detection mechanism, but if it doesn't detect anything, it doesn't do anything. So the, you need to improve the detection. The second piece is to improve the remediation. So if you don't have a good remediation plan or you don't have your uh, team know, know what to do in terms of when it comes to um, a cyber attack, then it's going to take a very long time to handle the case and and uproot uh, the attack. Okay. Now, finally, you guys, as we wrap up our show now, how do you foresee the cyber threat landscape evolving now that COVID-19 has been coming its full force? How do you see things changing and evolving? And what do you think that number one cybersecurity threat is going to be this year and going into next year? Well, based on the, the latest stats and uh, whatever I see uh, as of now, uh, ransomware is the tops all of them for now. Uh, with some occurrences of uh, cryptocurrency uh, uh, attacks as well, because they're now using the, the computer as a cryptocurrency uh, miner. 
Um, so, so ransomware is still the top one, and those ransomwares now are a little bit, uh, uh, they, are, they are improving. They are taking backups, they are encrypting the backups, they are stealing the information. They upload the information to the attacker's server, and then from there they just, if you don't pay the ransom, they will leak the information to anybody that will buy it. Um, so this is where I see it, it uh, now. Uh, to the future, it's it's hard to say. I think it's going to be still the ransomware attacks, uh, but you know, we don't know, and uh, this is something that we'll need to see uh, the trends and, and other um, uh, possibilities. I'm sure the hackers will find new techniques as we are trying to chase them. Okay. Now, what do you tell your clients or your family, friends, businesses, so forth, what they can do to protect themselves from a cyber attack? Now, obviously, we are we all are at risk no matter how much defenses that we take. But the question maybe better phrase is how do we reduce the risk of becoming a victim of cyber attack? Right. So I like to look at the, the risk uh, from exposure point of view. You want to reduce the exposure. So what kind of, what kind of actions or, or tips I can give people who are listening is, number one, you need to patch your system frequently. Whenever there's a patch, update, a patch available, Make sure to download it. Like now, Windows 10 has uh, more features and updates. Make sure to download those. Windows 10, if you have Windows 7 or Windows 95, I know people still are using those OSs. They should right away upgrade Windows 10 and and update it to to the to all updates that are available. So this is this is one. Uh, second, um, people always say yes you know, update the, the AV solution. Yes, you need to update it, and this is the best you can do. Um, the other thing is to change defaults. So what I'm meaning by change defaults, so for instance, passwords. You need to have a complex password, not to use the same password across um, services. So let's say you have a Gmail account, and you're using that, uh, the same password, the Gmail account, with your bank account, for instance. Because what hackers do, once they have your list or they have your password in a company list, they're going to run brute force and they will try to use this combination of username and password and all those accounts that you have. And in one of them, they will have a success uh, getting in. Uh, the other piece is um, in terms of um, uh, reducing the exposure is having uh, your information uh to look if the, your information is actually present in the dark web or dark net. And I think that that's it. I mean, we covered most of it. Change default, especially, let's say, for instance, um, a, a internet routers, for instance, your home network. Make sure you upgrade the, the firmware on the um, router because hackers are use those vulnerabilities to get in and steal your information while you're sitting at home thinking that you are safe or you have a wireless network, make sure you have a strong password there and you're using a good encryption mecha mechanism. There, that's, I think, is the, you did your own, you know, your due diligence um, or, or, you know, you can also monitor your credit card um, charges. This is what we do. We look at the credit card charges. We look at the 
bank statements to make sure that there's no suspicious activity on the account. There's all the things that you need to, to do, and those are detection and, and prevention to some extent. Okay, excellent. Now, you go finally, um, what is the best way for a, for anybody to get a hold of you in case you're interested in talking to you more about your services? So they can go on the website. They can submit a, a contact us form. They can send an email to cyber at tosecure.biz, or they can call the office 646-755-3933, or again, email cyber at the number two, and then secure, S-C-U-R-E dot B-I-Z. Excellent, Egal. Thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. Pleasure. We, we want to have you on future podcasts, okay? Okay. Very well. I'll be happy to do so. Take Thank care. you. Have a great, Take care. Have a great week. Bye. You too. Thank you very much for your time. Bye. Bye.